Hey everybody, welcome or welcome back to the Fuel Church Podcast. We're so excited that you're joining us today. We want to thank all of you that give generously to this ministry. It's because of your giving that this ministry is possible. To give, you can visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy! To think that one day, one day we're going to leave this earth. We're going to leave this earth as believers and go to a new place where there's no burdens, no more cares, no more tears, no more fears. I don't know about you, but this should excite you. This should excite you. But I have to be honest with you. I have to be honest. One of my biggest concerns for Christians is this, that too many of us that are following Jesus, love this world way too much. 
And because of that, we often live with a very real, real spiritual complacency. Like there's not an urgency for us to do the things of God. They tell me, I don't believe it, they tell me that 30% of my church that was attending before COVID will never come back. I tell them our church grew by 30% in the last 12 months. They tell me another stat that is rightfully true, not only about our church, but about the church at large, that 10, between 10 and 20% of people who attend a local church are actively involved in serving and giving and being a part of the mission, 10 to 20%. So we, let's say on a, on a high end, uh, two out of 10 people. Two out of 10 people in this auditorium are actively involved in their church. What does that tell us? We're still holding on to the things of this world with a tight grip. And I came to, on assignment today, to shake you a little bit, to nudge you a little bit, because that's my job as your pastor. If I'm not your pastor, you can tune me out and eat your Skittles. But if I am your pastor, I'm going to encourage you to lean into this word because we live in a society that so many of us have fallen in love with the culture and we've got so fixated on earth that we've forgotten about heaven. We've forgotten that one day we will leave this earth. How do we see this? Well, we see it when people are more in love with what others think more than what God thinks about them. More in love with keeping up with the trends and the culture and the people in our neighborhood, trying to impress people, buy things to impress people that don't even know us. We find it when we are more passionate about our own comfort than about God's own calling. We find it whenever we are more concerned with what we have and possessions than who we are becoming in Jesus Christ. We see it when we pray to God when we need him, when we worship him only when we feel him, and when we give whenever it's convenient, whenever the stimulus check shows up. Moving right along. We find it when we serve only when it benefits us. This is the danger, listen to me, if you don't hear anything, this is the danger of Christianity, and if we are not careful, we can come to church, we can even love God, but not become who he wants us to become as Christ followers. My prayer today is that God would give us a hope for eternity and an urgency for today. Come on, let's say this prayer. My prayer is that God would give us a hope for eternity and an urgency for today. So let's look at the story and the lyrics behind this song, I'll Fly Away. It's actually the most recorded gospel song in the history of the world with over 5,000 recorded versions. It was written by a man named Albert Brumley, born in 1905 in Spiro, Oklahoma. He grew up in a very impoverished family. As a little child, he would be working alongside his siblings and his parents picking cotton to pay the bills. When he was just five years old, his older brother died of a serious fever. This caused him to be consumed with grief. And on top of that, 
the poverty of his childhood had his eyes focused on the life after this life. He wrote these lyrics while in college, but he declares that these lyrics were born out of his childhood. They were born out of the pain, out of the suffering that he experienced. And he says that he was longing not for the blessings of earth, but one day for the glory found in heaven. And so he took pen to paper and he wrote these lyrics, some glad morning, when this life is over, I'll fly away. To a home of God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. When the shadows of this life have gone, I'll fly away. Like a bird from prison bars has flown, I'll fly away. My prayer today is that God would give us a hope for eternity and an urgency for today. So what, a, what this song is all about is the second coming of Jesus Christ. When a believer will be taken from this earth to dwell with God in heaven. You've heard it, the rapture, the second coming, the return of Christ. And I just want to say, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this church thing may be new to you. What we're going to talk about today probably sounds really strange. It probably sounds like some sci-fi movie you watched. But this is what we believe, and this is what the scripture says, and more importantly, this is what Jesus said, that this will happen. So I want us to talk about the eternal hope we have as Christians, but first, let me give you some insight on this book. Do you have your Bible? Do you have your Bible? If you do, turn to John 14. We're going to go there in a moment. We're going to go there in a moment, but I want to talk to you about this book. A lot of people think this is just one book. But it's 66 books. It's a collection of 66 books written by 40 different authors inspired by the Holy Spirit. Over the span of 1,500 years. Watch this. So in the Bible, it contains a lot of what we call prophecy. Someone say prophecy. Prophecy is simply this. A prediction of something that is to come. A prediction of something that is to come. Out of the 66 books in this Bible... Only four books in this book do not contain prophecy. All the other books contain some sort of prophecy. What is the second coming, you ask? It's a prophetic teaching of events that are predicted to happen. Not only from the authors out of the 40 authors that predicted it, but also from Jesus himself. How many think we ought to pay attention when Jesus is talking? When the words are in red, it means Jesus is talking and we just better listen, okay? So now to build your faith, I wanna show you a few other prophecies in the Bible that have already been fulfilled. Prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. Prophecies that happen from authors who would prophesy it and then 100 years later, another author would prophesy it that came to pass. Watch this. It was prophesied of Jesus that he would be born of a virgin in Bethlehem from the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and it happened. It was prophesied that he would be riding on a donkey, rejected by men, betrayed with money, falsely accused, and it did, it did happen. Are, are you tracking with me today? It was prophesied that he would be silent before his accusers, uh, crucified beside criminals, given vinegar to drink, and that his hands and feet would be pierced, and it did happen. 
It, it, it did happen. Notice the details of the prophecies. Notice the details of the writers like the prophet Isaiah, the prophet Ezekiel, that would foretell the coming of Christ and foretell the, to the littlest detail of the vinegar of the hands and the feet. Are, are you tracking with me? These men were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these prophecies. It was prophesied that they would fight over his clothes. It was prophesied that none of his bones would be broken, that he would give his life for all of humanity, be buried in a rich man's tomb. Joseph of Arimathea, who was a rich man who had become a follower of Jesus Christ in the last moments of Jesus on earth and said, hey, hey, I want Jesus to be in the best tomb. I want to serve the body of Jesus the best way I can. Here, here is the tomb that I've prepared for myself. He was a very wealthy man, but yet Jesus, all he needed was to borrow it for three days though. Because it was prophesied that on the third day, oh Jesus, my Pentecostal roots kick in right here. It was prophesied on the third day that he would get up out of that tomb and he would be resurrected to, to go and sit at the right hand of the father. That was prophesied too. And that did happen. It was prophesied that in those three days that he would go plunder death, hell, and the grave. So you and I, oh, no, no, we don't die. We go from this life to the next life. Death, where is your sting? Hell, he got the keys for you and I. This was prophesied. All this was prophesied and all came to pass. And I don't know about you, but this builds my faith to know that what I'm about to talk about is going to happen. Hmm? This is only a few of them. So we see all these prophecies about his first coming. Someone say his first coming. But please know this. There are five times more prophecies about his second coming than his first coming. Five times in this book. So that tells us, hey, <laughs> it's about to happen. When, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? Nobody knows. Oh, I know they've, in the name of prophecy and the name of being a prophet, have said Jesus is coming back in 2000. Why 2K? We heard that, right? Well, the computers can't handle it. Jesus is returning. We still here. They got billboards. They got commercials. One guy, you know, he put them all over the United States. Jesus is returning on this day. You lying. Listen, friends, if someone comes to you and says they know the date, just call them a liar. Tell them we got a special place in the building across the street in the basement for liars. Because no man, no man, not even Jesus, the Bible says, only the father knows. And he's going to tap Jesus and say, go get my bride. Go get the bride. It's time. So, so what I want to do in the remainder of our time is talk about the eternal hope we have as Christians and give us three thoughts that will give us hope. We're going to talk about three things. The return. Someone say the return. The rapture. Someone say the rapture. And the reunion. Someone say the reunion. You like how they all start with R? It's the things I do for you throughout the week. I'm not out golfing. I'm not out going to Applebee's every day. Come on now. I'm prepping the word for you. It feels good in here at the 10. Y'all came alive. Number one, the return. 
For all the note takers, get ready. We got a lot of scripture to cover today. The return. Christ is coming again. Christ is, I'm telling you, this should excite us. And Jesus talked about his return. Who talked about it? Jesus. Jesus. The one who lives in your heart if you've received him. He, he talked about it while he was here on earth. His first appearance on earth. But now he says, hey, this is the first appearance, but there'll be a, a, a second return. There'll be a second coming. And he says this in John 14, look at this, verse one through three. He's telling his disciples, he's telling his followers, don't let your hearts be troubled. And he's telling it to you and I today because the Bible is just as relevant today as when it was written. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Let's just say that for somebody again. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many, many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. Do you know that God is preparing a room for you, just for you, as if you decorated it yourself? Like Chip and Joanne ain't got nothing on what God is doing up in heaven right now. You think they're up on the styles. Wait till you see your place. Specific, authentic, just as you are. Just for you. So Jesus is talking to the disciples in the early church and, and he's in the middle of telling them that he's leaving earth and, and uh, it didn't sit well with them. So that's why he said, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna prepare a place for you, but, but I'm gonna come back and get you. And, and so we must understand a little history of the early church that um, they weren't free to worship like we just worshiped. They weren't free to go to church like you're free to go to church. Um, they didn't have that luxury. They didn't have that luxury. Like if they named the name of Christ, bad things would happen to them, like persecutions and uh, killings and being crucified upside down. I mean, these are, these are the things that the Christians went through in those days. Uh, I, I, wonder, I wonder if that, that came back to the church, how many people would be here? I wonder if you were put on trial for being a Christian, could your neighbors find enough evidence to convict you? You didn't hear that in the back. You didn't hear that. If you were put on trial, guilty as a Christian, would there be enough evidence from your neighbors, from your family to convict you? So the early church, that was free by the way. Um, the early church, they were persecuted, tortured. You can imagine the bond that they shared. You can imagine the bond that they shared when they, when they ran into another fellow believer, a fellow Christian. So they, they, they made up this kind of code language, this kind of, you know, we have handshakes, right? We do the bro, you know, the bro hug, right? You come in with the hand and you do the little one tap on the back. Like bros don't normally hug this way. This is the bro hug. But they, they had like this, this, this like secret word that they would use to identify with each other that, hey, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Christ follower. I'm a Jesus follower. I'm a Christian. And so they would say this. They would say Maranatha. They would greet people with Maranatha. And Maranatha means our Savior is coming soon. It also meant to them this. It might be bad right now, 
but Jesus is coming back for us. That's what Maranatha meant over 2,000 years ago. They thought they would see the return of Christ. How much more should we be ready for the return of Christ? And so Maranatha was a common word used, meant that our Savior is coming. Our Savior is coming. Paul talked about this as well in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. Look at this. For the Lord who? Who? He'll do what? He'll come down from heaven. With what? With, with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet call of God. Huh? And the dead in Christ will rise first. This sounds crazy. Sounds a little weird, right? What does this mean? I mean, all the graveyards, just dead bodies just coming up out of it? What does this mean? Well, it, yes and no, it means that. Uh, you need to understand the bodies of the deceased are, are decomposed, right? But when they come up out of that grave, they're going to get a glorified, a resurrected body. Are you with me? They're, they're going to get a glorified body. So for all y'all trying to get a six-pack right now, if you don't get it in this life, you'll get it in the afterlife, <laughs> Come on, somebody. Let's eat some donuts. And so Jesus is returning. As I said, no one, no one knows the day or the hour, so we must live with an urgency for today because here's what I do know. We have incredible opportunity right now to reach people that are far from God, but here's also what I know. We have very limited time. So it's not time to play church. It's not time to play games with God. I think we should plan on Jesus not coming back for 100 years, but live like he's coming back today. Can I get a good amen? Let me remind you, church, those that are weary, those that say, man, I, I'm tired of this life. It's not treating me right. I'm, I, it's been a tough 12 months. Let me rem remind you that heaven, not earth, will be our eternal home. Like he, he's coming back and there is more to this life than this life right now. And let me remind you as parents, we need to lead our families with a hope for eternity and an urgency for today. Let me remind you that you're responsible for those little kids to remind them that earth is not our eternal home. Don't get so fixated on earth. Don't get so caught up in teaching them everything about earth that we don't teach them about the life after this life that is forever and ever and ever. <laughs> Nothing would be a tragedy that if I give my kids all the things here on earth and I take them to all these places and I buy them all these things, nothing would be more of a tragedy than to take care of them on earth but have them miss eternity in heaven with Jesus. There's gonna be a lot of broken parents on that day because you had the Nikes for them, you had them in every sports program, you had them going here and there, but you didn't point them to Jesus. You pointed them to church, but church won't save you. This church won't save you. Only a relationship with Jesus will. That's, that's why we invest the largest portion of our budget. Your giving goes to kids and students in this church. And I unapologetically say that. That when you give, we're reaching the next. One day, someone's going to take this mic from me. And this is going to continue. And I want to do my job. We, we need to do our job. Because they're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. 
That's why we invest. That's why there's a hundred students right now, right here, teenagers right now. That's why almost 200 of them came to the guys and girls night to learn real talk from my wife and I about temptations and stuff they deal with. So as parents, we, we, we have to have, we have to teach a hope for eternity and an urgency for today. I want to encourage you to lower your expectations of earth and raise your expectations of heaven because one day the return is happening. The second thing, the rapture, someone say the rapture. That's when living Christians are taken away. That's when living Christians are taken away. We continue Paul's teaching. It's a continuous, it's, it's a sequence, the return, then the rapture. It says this, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, after that, after what? After what we just read, after the dead in Christ, right? After that, we who are still alive and are left will be what? We're going to air Jordan on them. Jordan ain't got nothing on us. You don't need no J's to jump this high. We're going to fly, baby. Caught up with them in the clouds. Caught up with who? Jesus and your loved ones and their glorified bodies. Isn't that beautiful? And so we will be with the Lord forever. Now watch this. That word caught up in the Greek is the Greek word harpazo. It means this, to be snatched away, to be taken away, to be caught up in the air. Harpazo. Someone say harpazo. Oh yeah, we're going to fly, baby. And this is what the writer said. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 24. He said, this is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with the hand mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you also must be what? Ready. Ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Hmm? At any time, at any moment, we must be ready. We must be ready. If Jesus was describing this text in modern time, it might sound like this. A husband and wife went out for lunch. One was taken. One was left. A team of high schoolers were on a bus. Eight were taken. Twelve was left. A family of five walked into church. Four were taken. One was left. Sounds pretty crazy, right? Sounds like some sci-fi stuff, but this ain't the first time it happened. We see it happening throughout the scriptures. Enoch, the Bible said, walked closely with God, and then he was taken up to heaven. Elijah, Elijah was walking one day, and a chariot of fire came by, scooped him up, and took him up into heaven. Jesus, our Savior, was also taken up into heaven. So we believe by faith that one day the trumpet of God will sound, the dead in Christ will be raised, and those who are still alive and walking on earth that are believers in Jesus will be rescued out and taken to heaven. We believe that. We believe that. So we see the return. Someone say the return. We see the rapture. Someone say the rapture. Now I will insert this, and this is a teaching for another time. 
You say, what's going to happen to those that are left? They will have another opportunity. They will have another opportunity to accept Jesus. But they will not go on the first load. I don't know about you. I want to go on the first load. Come on, I'm rapture ready. Hit your neighbor and say, I'm rapture ready, are you? Go ahead, say it. I'm rapture ready, are you? By the way, we have a wonderful end time small group that Elder Tim teaches. He'll go a lot more extensive than what I go. He's more knowledgeable than me about all this. If you want more info, get in that group. And then the third is the reunion. Someone say the reunion. This is when Christians will be with God forevermore. Hmm? Paul continues his teaching, 1 Thessalonians. After that, those who are alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Just a few more weary days, the writer said, then I'll fly away to a land where joy shall never end. I'll fly away. Let me encourage someone who feels broken right now, who feels hurting and lonely. Let me encourage somebody that's battling sickness and disease, maybe cancer even. Maybe encourage somebody that says, this life has me weary right now. Let me encourage you that if you are in Christ, one day you will be in the presence of God and there will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more hatred. There will be no more racism. There will be no more death. There will be no more tears. There will be no more stress. There will be no more anxiety. Come on, somebody. One day, one day. Maranatha, the Lord is coming. Maranatha, the Lord is coming. Hold on. Times may be tough right now, but the Lord is coming. We need to encourage one another. That's what Paul said. He said, encourage one another with these words. Don't get so caught up in the here and now, because one day he's coming back for his bride. He's coming back for his church. We're called the bride of Christ. Hmm? We're coming back. He's coming back for his bride. Someone say the bride. The bride. Maranatha. Let's not so be, be so in love and focused on this world that we forget about eternity. Eternity. We, we get maybe 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, maybe if we're blessed of years here on this earth. But eternity, that never stops. And you and I are going to be in one of two places. And I don't know about you. I don't know about you. I want to be with Jesus. I want to be reunited with some loved ones. I've lost some grandparents lately. I want to be reunited. You've lost some loved ones lately. I want to be reunited, don't you? Hope for eternity and an urgency for today. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. Huh? It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life forever. 
It confirms the same teaching that Jesus taught, right? But I love verse 58. This is what I close with. So my dear brothers and sisters, my, my dear Fuel Church, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically. For who? The Lord. The Lord. Who are you working for? For the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. I love this. Because Paul says, hey, church. Hey, 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 church. Corinthian church. Hey, fuel church. It's going to happen. And it's going to happen quick. Like in a blink of an eye. A blink of an eye. You just blinked like 20 times right then when I said that. A blink of an eye, it's going to happen. Jesus is coming back. The trumpet will sound and we will be with him. But, but, but until then, church, Paul says, I need you to be strong and immovable and, and, and always, always working enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Nothing you do for God is ever wasted. Nothing you do for God is ever discounted. Nothing that you do for God is ever not seen by God. He sees it all. He sees it all. So Paul says, hey, church, don't be so caught up. Have a hope for eternity and an urgency for today because church, I got to tell you that our assignment has got to be more clear than it's ever been before if we are at the beginning of the last days and I firmly believe we are at the beginning of it could we see the return of Christ I don't know nobody knows but we could our kids could our grandkids could I don't know but I feel like we're seeing the signs all around us and so our assignment has to be this because we know our time is short it has to be this that I will not leave I will not leave words unsaid I will not leave deeds undone and I will not leave hope unshared I will not leave this earth with words unsaid deeds undone and hope unshared I will not because time is short I have some words that I need to say I have some encouragement I need to speak some life-giving words over somebody who is down somebody who is hurting a co-worker a family member a neighbor I will not leave words unsaid that I know can bring life to somebody I will not leave deeds undone meaning I have a divine assignment Meaning it's not just the preacher and the leaders that have an assignment to get the gospel out. That I have a divine assignment to love those that are far from God. I have a divine assignment to, to do good to others, to help others. I have a divine assignment to serve on the dream team. I have a divine assignment to use my gift and my talents for the kingdom of God. Why? Because time is short. I won't leave hope unshared. I have words that bring hope in life. I have words of healing. I have words of restoration because I too have been hurt. I too have went through hell. And so now I must share of the hope that lies within me.
I must now share about the stories of redemption and how God came through when I didn't see a way out. He made a way for me. I must share how I went through a divorce. I must share how I lost my son or daughter. I must share with someone else. I will not leave hope unshared. I will declare to my world that Jesus is the hope. Jesus is the hope you're searching for. So because eternity matters, I will give my all today. I will have no regrets when I leave this earth. I will have no excuses. And I will not allow anything or anyone to hold me back. Am I talking to anybody today? Because time is short. We will not leave words unsaid, deeds undone, and hope unshared. We will not allow spiritual complacency to rob us of our hope for eternity and our urgency for today. Here's what I want you to do, church. I want you to live like you're dying to go to heaven. And when you die, you will. You will. You will. Maranatha, the king is coming soon. Let's live with the end in mind. Let's not get so caught up in this temporary world. Accumulating stuff. And in the end, you're not taking it with you. In the end, you realize, I didn't even impress them with my new car, my bigger house, my new wardrobe. In the end, all that matters is what we do for Christ. I said all that matters is what we do for Christ. That's all that matters. He's not gonna, you're not going to get to heaven. He's going to say, how many square foot was your house? Did you drive a new car? Did you have the latest shoes or outfit? He's not going to ask that. God is going to say, what did you do with my son Jesus? I gave you the gift of eternal life. What did you do with that? He's going to ask you and I, every one of us will stand before God. I won't be there beside you. Your spouse won't be there beside you. It's you and God. What did you do with my son Jesus? What did you do? The gifts, the talents, the resources, the finances. Some of you are so blessed, but you're so stingy. Oh, I feel that right there. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I love when the Holy Ghost just comes on me. You're so blessed, but you're so stingy. You help nobody, but you're five. You're four and no more. And that's a sad life to live. I came to shake you a little bit to tell you there's hurting people all around you. Open your eyes and start helping. Maranatha, our king, he's coming. Are you ready? Is your heart ready? At the end of my life, I want him to say, he spent it. He spent it all. He spent his life for the glory and the kingdom of God. No words unsaid. No deeds undone. No, no, no. No hope unshared. Let's spend it all for those that one day will see up in heaven that come to you 
are going to come to you. Thank you for giving to the Lord. Thank you for serving my kids at Fuel Kids, teaching them. Because you taught them about Jesus, they're right here in heaven. Thank you for tithing to that church that helped me get free from heroin. Thank you. Thank you for serving in the parking lot. Thank you for serving the usher team. Thank you for serving. Because of you, I'm alive. That's been forever changed. Come on, church. Jesus is coming back. Bow your heads with me. Close your eyes all over the auditorium. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word today. We thank you for speaking to us. Lord, we we just look within ourselves and say, God, how can how can we apply this message to our lives? Lord, maybe we haven't had that hope for eternity. Maybe, maybe we've just been so caught up, caught up on earth, caught up in our struggles, caught up in the fears and the doubts and the unbelief of earth. But today, today we get a new perspective. We get a new perspective, a new mindset. Lord, we declare Maranatha, our King is coming. Our King is coming. We thank you, God. We make the adjustments that we need to make in our own personal lives. In Jesus' name. Now, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you're here today and you're far from God. I want to give you an opportunity. This is the most important part of our service. I'm going to give you an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus Christ. It's the greatest decision you can ever make. It's the first step on your spiritual journey, but it's the most important step. You'll have many more steps after this, and this church wants to walk with you through those steps. But I want to pray for some people who need Jesus in their life. You've never made a commitment to surrender your life to him, or you've made a commitment, but you've fallen away from that commitment for one reason or another. But today you say, I want to return to that relationship with Jesus. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You're here today and you say, Jacob, that's me. Before we pray, I just want to see who I'm talking to. And we're not here to call you up, make you stand up or anything like that. But before we pray, just throw up your hand and say, Jacob, that's me. Include me in on this prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Anyone else want to be included? Thank you back there. I see those hands in the back. Awesome. Awesome. Anyone else want to be included before we pray with them? That's great. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I see those hands over there. Yeah. Great decision. Great decision. Let's pray with them, church. Come on, everybody say this. Say, Jesus, invite you into my heart as my personal Lord and Savior. I believe you died upon the cross for my sins. Now I repent of those sins, and I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Somebody rejoice today. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. You could take a screenshot, post it on your social media, and tag us. If you ever have the opportunity, we'd love for you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings. For more information on our locations and service times, please visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey. See you next week.